and welcome to my Live to Spark podcast. I'm Erica Teo Etian. For the past 15 years, I've been helping to empower individuals to reach their work and personal goals through sharing know-hows, lessons learned, and cultivating healthy mindsets so that they can improve their processes to generate the best outcome. In recent years, I've helped mid-career women to reach their life, career, and family goals by inspiring them on their journey of self-discovery so that they can become individuals that are more engaged to lead a fruitful life. In this podcast, I will share tips, tools, and ways to develop a healthy mindset that can help you to become more successful, overcome challenges, and setbacks in life. I believe that every woman has unlimited potential to find her shine within her own areas in life. So join me in this journey and live to spark together. Hello and welcome to this episode. In my previous episode, I shared about how I experienced work for the first time during the six months break in between college and waiting for my placement in the local university. It was a liberating experience to make your own money, to be able to afford to buy presents for loved ones, have a good meal at a fancier place as a student, and no longer need to ask for more money from my parents who were already stretched to their breaking points to make ends meet with their very low incomes. The other reality that made me continue to work during school holidays was the fact that architecture school was not cheap. Aside from the school fees which I borrowed using my father's retirement funds through the Central Provident Fund, also known as CPF, the rest was mostly up to me. I discovered to my horror, design presentations are very common in architecture school. Every single drawing material medium, every tool came with a hefty price tag. It was a time where there was no carousel app nor second-hand marketplace for pre-loved tools. For example, drawing blueprints on vellum paper required at least six pens, each producing different thickness of lines. Even the paper itself was an eye-watering price per sheet of A1 or even as big as AO size because the price of that paper itself was the equivalent of a good lunch in a campus canteen for students. Every student was required to buy a standard set of drawing tools, set squares, T-squares, ink pens, clutch pencil, right down to kneadable erasers. Even before I start school proper, I have to invest a fortune to get started. There wasn't much alternative as there's only one supplier in Singapore selling all these specialised art materials and tools. I saw my savings take a hit just to prepare for the start of the semester some of which I have never seen before, nor did I even know how to use them. I made up my mind I have to help myself and my parents by being able to partly afford this journey of architectural education. It was already tough, and made even tougher by the lack of money. And so through the university years, I worked during the school breaks or weekends, or even holidays at local farms. I was thankful I had a close friend who remembered I stayed nearby the Lim Chu Kang farm area at the time. She thought I might like a job nearby to earn some quick bucks. There was no contract. I was introduced to some workers that ran the farm area and we verbally agreed at an hourly rate and I started work. There was no formal training. I just followed the old hands on the job. Our job was bringing people out to see and spread awareness of Singapore's local farms in Lim Chu Kang. They would come from community centre, groups, of elderly and middle-aged aunties and uncles, organisations for the disabled, private corporate companies, 
public sectors, office workers, and so on. I learned through on-the-job training from the senior farm guides there. I would listen to how they shared about each farm and their specialities, what they breed on the farm, what was interesting about the animals, and we often encouraged visitors to patronise the farm by purchasing their fresh produce. They could be goat milk, vegetables that were freshly harvested from the fields that morning, quail eggs just laid, fresh fish for soup, or even bullfrogs for cooking into the oh-so-yummy frog porridge. The perks of the job was a chance to meet celebrities once in a while, for example, a local DJ from the Mandarin radio station. I even learned a tip or two from them. For instance, he told me to stand a little more prominently in front of people so that others could see me. Sometimes in the whirlwind of people and bustling activities around you, it's normal to get carried away and you forget you are addressing a big group while standing near a building column that obstructed some people's view of you. Once we were done with the day's job, we get paid in cash straight away. There was no deductibles, no strings attached. This handy cash meant I get injections of new funds to pay for something in school, whether it was for cardboards and glue to make building models, or printing huge A1 or AO size glossy posters. I'm truly blessed the universe gave this help along the way to help fund my educational needs. I learned that if I was willing to try and not afraid to learn on the job, I definitely can get work done, and I could also improve myself along the way. Whether it is knowledge, whether it's overcoming my initial perception of farms being smelly and dirty, overcoming my fear of public speaking, and hearing my voice out loud sharing the tour agenda with visitors. I most certainly can take baby steps along the way to learn and move towards building up my self-confidence. Looking back with hindsight, I certainly placed a great deal of stress on myself. The truth is, actually most people visiting the farm was looking for a day out to relax with their friends or colleagues, do a little bit of farm shopping, and really just enjoying the outdoors. I could have enjoyed myself a little more by being relaxed and placed less stress on myself. For the longer school holidays, I applied for temp jobs. I remember taking a lift up and combing floor by floor in the entire international building at Tanjong Paka. This was where most recruiter companies were located. I knocked door to door, filling paper application after application. I had no preference for any industry. I was young, driven to look for a temporary job with an hourly wage, and I would just take any admin job. The recruiter sometimes spoke to me briefly just to see if I fitted into the what I filled out on the paper. I had luck with a chemical plant in Tuas Industrial Area where I was working for the logistics department as a temp staff. It was an MNC company that serviced many big clients and buildings in Singapore. I worked hard, made friends, slaved together with the staff to find substantiating documents for them to claw back money from big petrol companies and for shortfalls in USD conversions rate through the years. I learned to take orders from the salespeople, prepare and print order forms, send packing lists to the store, filing paperwork and so on. The logistics department staff like me. I like the overtime pay with the extra hours when necessary. So after the first school holidays, they called me back during the next school holidays for me to work and offered me as a temp directly with them so that they could cut out the recruiter fees. I was more than happy because they paid me slightly more per hour and I needed the money to fund materials and printing during my university architecture course. My classmates mostly found work in architecture firm 
I refused to do the same because I remember telling myself, I have years and years ahead in my life to do architecture. Let me take this time to do other things to take my mind off so I can stay sane. I didn't want to have a narrow view of work revolving only about architecture, but I want to see how other kinds of work are like. Starting work early in my life compared to my better-off friends who don't need to work for their allowance gave me the opportunity over the years of temp jobs to build up savings for retirement through the compulsory contributions through the Central Provident Fund. The interest compounded over the years. Unconsciously, that structured forced savings for my retirement money worked in the background to help me grow my money for my real future retirement or housing needs. So for you listening in today, ask yourself if you want to start taking actions and what is the end goal you so desire that you will throw in what you have today to get started. How will your baby steps pan out? I leave that thought in you so you can start your brainstorming. Thank you for joining me today. I'm so honoured to have you here. Now, if you'd like to keep going and you want to know more about our mentorship, training programmes and e-commerce products, come on and visit me over at livetospark.com. That's L-I-V-E-T-O-S-P-A-R-K.com. And if you happen to get this episode from a friend or family member, be sure to subscribe to our email list over there. Because once you're subscribed, you'll become one of my Live to Spark family. Life has always got twists and turns. You can learn to go with the flow, breathe deeply, and remember, we will lift the spark together. Sending you my love, and I speak to you soon. Bye for now.